Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I am Stock Lucas. Oh, wait, no. Whoa. Jens Nelson. <laughs> Whoa. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. I always stumble over Christ's church. It's a, it's a tricky, tricky word. There's a lot but of here we are in there. We are we are back. Um, I can't remember what we recorded last week, but I remember <laughs> having a good time doing it. <laughs> um, it's escaping me too. This last week, dude. Let me tell you. So just quick, quick, quick break in the action to give you an update on life, right? So a week ago, not so not this, not last week, but the week prior, uh, two of my coworkers were sick, and one was at our production facility. So I'm on a team with four. So three people were gone, leaving leaving just me and my manager, who has you know managerial duties that she attends to. So um, she stepped away when she could to assist me, but like for a good like three days out of five, it was just me. And then another two days was me and another guy. It was like all over the place. It was like super chaotic. So we were really behind. And so last week was not only a week of catch up. But it, now that it's getting nicer, it's getting warmer, projects are starting, um, you know, people are starting to, to dig in the ground and do the things that they do, so they require our products and everything. And so, like, the volume is increasing to the max. And on top of that, I had a half day on Friday, which means that I, I, I make up for the time that I'm not there. So, you know, I'm missing four hours of work, meaning I had to make up the four hours either by taking shorter lunches or coming in early or staying late. Uh, I don't like staying late. I don't like taking shorter lunches, so I come in an hour early every day. And so it was just a super chaotic week. So you're right, dude. I have no idea what we recorded a week ago. I'd have to go and look. It's been that crazy. Yeah, and and I have, as of right now, as we're recording this, two weeks left of the semester and then finals. Uh, And I've got three big papers left as well as other work on the day-to-day. So I have been in – I've – been in crunch time mode yeah. and a uh, different kind of hectic, but also I had hectic to look it up and it was Carl Bart. Just, I, I, had, I couldn't get Bart, it out of my mind. Of course, <laughs> of course it was. Oh uh, uh, yeah. We'll just, we'll just cut this two minutes out and just be like, Hey everyone, remember how we had that great Carl Bart episode and everyone would be like, yeah, it was so good. Right. Um, but we're back, uh, with a new episode. We, um, despite having hectic weeks, we're not having to fall back into earlier this spring where we just feels like didn't record very much. I know that's not true, but like it was just a, it was just a few weeks where we had to make up, but like it, it feels like, you know, it took us like two years to get to the point where we had to do that. So, yeah, you know, which is pretty impressive. Like I mean, lot. if you ask me, we've lasted but, a uh, long time. Yeah. So we're back with a new episode and we're, um, a giant, I guess episode. you could call this, yeah, it, it might be our biggest episode yet. Mm. Probably not because of Tulip, but it might be. <laughs> Never, but, nothing's um, ever going to beat that. <laughs> um, we're talking about the Nephilim, which might mean nothing to you, or it might mean something, if you're like me, very enigmatic and fascinating and kind of cool and kind of out there and fun to think about, but not really something that makes a ton of sense necessarily. Um, And 
I guess you could kind of file this under the loose sort of semi-series that we're doing whenever we feel like it of, again, you know, weird biblical passages, interesting biblical passages, strange biblical passages. Pick your pick your poison as far as adjectives go. Um, but this one will, will probably be, I mean, compared to the, the those types of episodes that we've done before, this will be pretty different in that there's like one obvious text that that's kind of like, you know, the place to go. Um, but then there's there's tons of other biblical as well as extra biblical stuff to get into um, that if you're going to do any sort of actual, you know, t- taking a look at what's going on with the Nephilim, you're going to you're going to move beyond just one passage. So we'll probably open with like the classic passage in Genesis six and then kind of branch off from there, I would imagine. But that's what we're talking about. So yeah. Nephilim, you, you you might be thinking, oh, cool, this is going to be a good episode. Or you might be thinking, what the heck? So maybe before we read, or maybe, I don't know if you want to start by reading Genesis 6, or if you want to like maybe do a little more like definition first, like what's yeah. a Nephilim? Yeah, I was going to give a brief know, definition. Yeah, a brief definition just to set the stage and then go into the, the few biblical texts that make reference to the Nephilim. Um, so... What I found was that the Nephilim was a group of mysterious beings or people of unusually large size and strength who lived both before and after the flood. Again, if we're talking Genesis, that's super early. The Nephilim uh, are referenced in Genesis and Numbers and are possibly, maybe, we'll see, referred to in Ezekiel. Uh, the Hebrew word Nephilim is sometimes directly translated as giants or taken to mean the fallen ones, which comes from the Hebrew word nephal, which means to fall. Uh, but the identity of the Nephilim is debated, maybe hotly debated depending on your circles, but it's debated by scholars. Um, I know like the Bible Project, for example, has a pretty interesting episode on the Nephilim. I, m- I remember listening to that a few years ago. So if you wanted like a more in-depth study, maybe turn there. Uh, but for our flyover... Another- Another more in-depth, so a podcast that I know I've referenced before, The Lord of Spirits, Mm. has an entire episode on the Nephilim. Well, that's not true. An entire episode on giants. So the Nephilim are a major part of that episode, but it's also, you know, it it, it covers more than, than, well... I guess it depends on what you what your view is, but anyway, the episode's on. I think it's called like Giants or something like that. Nice. Um, if you were to search Lord of Spirits Giant, and, it, and it's you know, if you don't, if you ha- didn't hear me reference them before, just really interesting, intriguing. You know, like it's like a three hour podcast Ooh. episode on talking about giants and stuff. That's even longer. And than it's Tulip. It is, and it's su- it's super good. It, it's really fun to listen to. It's very listenable, especially if you just break it up into chunks. But also. This is something that they kind of, they, giants and, you know, the, the role that giants play, especially in the Old Testament, is sort of a recurring theme yeah. for them um, and as, they've, as they've, you know, done other episodes about different topics. Um, so if you're into that kind of stuff, like if this kind of, if today's episode like kind of makes you want more, I would definitely, uh, Bible Project, you know, I would definitely say dive deeper than this. Bible Project. I didn't realize they had done one. I'll have to check that out. And then also uh, Lord of Spirits, their, their episode on Giants would be a great starting point. But um, those are two. I just wanted to jump in now to get that out yeah. of the way of like, since you brought up one, uh, places to go to sort of get a, a, a uh, more of a more more in-depth than what we're going to be able to do for sure. Right. 
Cool. Yeah. So those those are probably good in depth. Uh, you know, dive deeper into the you know the eight foot deep end. Well, this is a nice shallow you know stroll through the shallow end, the three foot area. You're not going to get your head too deep. So we hope you enjoy. Uh, so biblical texts. Let's jump right in. Genesis six verse one through four. Uh, when mankind began to multiply on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were beautiful, and they took any they chose as wives for themselves. And the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and afterward when the sons of God came to the daughters of mankind who bore children to them. They were the powerful men of old, the famous men. Interesting. So obviously direct reference to the Nephilim. Verse 4 says they were on the earth both in those days and afterwards which to me might seem to indicate that, like, maybe they aren't anymore at the time of this being written. Like, the fact that, like, Moses, you know, if we think that Moses wrote the Old Testament, which most people do, uh, Moses has this little adder that, you know, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and slightly after. Um, It's kind of interesting. Uh, So then you go down to Numbers 13, so just a little bit later. Here we have Numbers 13, 31 through 33. Uh, but the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted, saying, The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants, and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak uh, come from the Nephilim. Uh, to ourselves, we seemed like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same to them. <laughs> like, whether that's literal or fi- figurative language, I think the image is pretty stark and jarring. Like, to, to think, if you remember, this is like when people are going to sort of investigate, I believe, the promised land and get a report on, like, what the land looks like. And they come back and they're like, well... You know, there's these giants, these large people, these warriors living there, and we seemed like but grasshoppers. Um, I'm sure that's not literal because to think of like a grasshopper versus a human, that's like a very large difference. But it's, I think it's the point is still like Attack on Titan kind of giant versus. Yeah, I and I think that there's one of the things that is interesting is is when when you know giant comes from. Like, like the idea of Nephilim being giants, like that being the word we use, comes from the the way that they're often, that, that it's often translated in the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, um, which is just the word giant. I think it's like gigantos or something. Like it's where we get the word giant in English. But, um, but there's also like other, there's other things going on with the giants than, you know, just what we might think of as impossibly tall people, right? But I, I do think that there's something interesting, whatever you want to make of this, is that they, in addition to saying, oh, you know, we we felt like grasshoppers compared to these mighty people, like there, that, there's a very obvious figure, you know, figure of speech going on. But before then, they do say, you know, these people of great size, you know, and, and we do see... Um, Goliath the Philistine, who is not only a mighty warrior, you know, in in the sense of like a a, a giant in terms of his 
strength and abilities and military prowess or whatever, but like, you know, he's he's literally, well, I don't know what it is. I remember in youth group talking about like he's like nine feet tall or whatever, Something like that. Yeah, um, um, like like bigger than any natural sort of human size or stature that 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 you'd find. Um, so I do think that there's there's it's important. And we'll probably get into this. Like, there's more going on than oh, there are just some people out there, or there were some people out there who are just really big. Like, there's more going on here, but we don't need. I don't think we need to ignore the fact that like there are also like literal size differences. You know, like David was a normal person, you know, normal sized person, and Goliath wasn't. <laughs> right. Um. And so yeah, I, I guess. Also, along those lines, I, I am kind of saying Goliath was, was a Nephilim, but I guess that's I I was thinking it, too. I'm like... Kind of neither here nor there, I yeah. guess, in some respects. <laughs> Blowing past that now. No, I, I also, I agree. I, I'm th- So, okay, let me start by saying, well, no, I will say this. Uh, we'll get to possible, like, interpretations or possible explanations for people, how, how people have tried to explain the Nephilim. Um, there's two, like, main ones, and I think there might be a couple others, but... Um, I used to be of the persuasion that like ah this is this isn't I'll tell you once we get there which one I'm I used to subscribe to but like I w- I'd be like nah there's no way these were like actual um, like giants or anything or any like um, you know what let me let's just get there in a second and then I'll explain what I'm about to say it'll make more sense so uh, what I'll do is I'll read the possible Ezekiel reference and then we'll go into interpretation so uh, Ezekiel thirty two twenty seven says. They do not lie down with the fallen warriors of the uncircumcised who went down to Sheol with their weapons of war, whose swords were placed under their heads and their shields rested on their bones, although the terror of these war uh, of these warriors was once in the land of the living. And again, this this little that little bit of the fallen warriors um, that could be a possible reference. I don't remember all the Hebrew behind it, but some have speculated that this little you know, passage, this segment segment of Ezekiel 32 is making reference to the Nephilim. Um, now, what we'll do, like I said, is I'll, I'll briefly mention the two, I think, or maybe Lucas has something else. Before, before I know this is a little all over the place, but before we get there, I want to kind of blow things up a little more um, and add in a few other biblical references too, because, because you might... If you just look up Nephilim in your, you know, Logos um, or, you know, Google, you know, Nephilim Bible verse, you might actually miss other references to, to, you know, we'll say Nephilim. And that is because there are other, there's another word, there's another term that is actually um, referring to the same phenomenon, so to speak. So there's this other term, the Rephaim, um, or the... Oh, where is it? Yeah, the, the sorry, the Rephaim, um, descendants of Repha is is um, Repha is is it comes up in Second uh, Samuel and First Chronicles, um, which is a little ambiguous. Is there there is there a person named Repha? You know, like like there's there's that, but um, this this term, the Rephaim, um, it shows up in the Bible, um, and it's also in in addition to the to the Nephilim, it's also in other ancient Near Eastern Semitic literature, you know, uh, Ugaritic, Phoenician, the surrounding Canaanite tribes, like 
this isn't a uh, a quote unquote biblical thing it's like that has no other like attestation in history like the existence of whatever Nephilim and Rephaim are is not unique to Genesis and one verse in numbers right so you've got these Rephaim um, that shows up in Genesis in a couple places in Deuteronomy um, referring to uh, a group of people again these 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 giants um, and um, there is a couple of really interesting references. Um, one is in Deuteronomy 3.11, where um, Og, if you remember the... I, I barely remember the context, but there is this, this king of Bashan, Og, who is a king that um, is defeated by the Israelites, or defeated by the Israelites? I think defeated by the... Uh, that might be wrong on that, but... Um, he is described as a Rephaim. And to give you a little little, a little nugget, uh, Deuteronomy 3.11 says, Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Rephaites. Rephaites. You know, he was the last. So Rephaim is, is plural, and to make it kind of more Englishy, Rephaite, like whatever. His bed was decorated with iron and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. It is still in Rabbah of the Ammonites. Now, Nine cubits long is something like 13 feet. Um, and fact check me, please. I'm going to put a big asterisk on this, but I, I, I don't know if this is true, but apparently we have actually found this bed hmm. in the ancient Near or in the Near East, you know, and, um, it exists. It's, I think it's in the British Museum or the British Archaeological Museum or something like that. So we'll leave that there. Nine I mean, or 13-foot bed. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys should go onto our Twitter and let us know. Is Lucas making this up? Is this true? You guys decide. Um, and then there's a couple other references. There's, there's in Second Samuel uh, 21, it's talking about a, a battle where David and his mighty men are fighting some buddy i don't remember um but there there's like in verses 16 18 and 20 it like names these people that are that they're fighting with and refers to them as as rephaim like it it it's it's just sort of you know with, with a lot of these like i mean pretty much uh, i mean i think it's safe to say all of these references in the biblical books it, it's 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 i it seems to me to, that it's assumed that you know what these things are that you have some kind of context that you understand what these words mean but then also like the plate you know the nephilim were in the land in those days and it moves on right og was the last of the rephaites you know and his bed is still there and it's like it's it's sort of just these these aside editorial comments that you know, you, you you don't really need them to make sense of the story. You know, like like they're not helping the narrative. So whatever purpose they're certain, like the you know the authors, the editors, the redactors, whatever you want to say, like they're in the text for a reason, right? Like somebody thought they were. It was important for you to know that Og or these people David is fighting or the sons of God and the daughters of of man, like like that. 
there was there there something's going on, and this is where we're getting more into the interpretations, I think. But the, I wanted to bring up the Rephaim to to because because that kind of that kind of doubles the number of texts we're looking at, and it makes you realize that there's a lot. It, we haven't even touched, you know, like Enoch and and Second Temple Jewish literature, which for me was like like go listen to the Lord of Spirits. I don't know about the Bible Project, but just like that's, they filled in all these gaps that I, you know, stuff I'd never even heard of. And they're like, yeah, look at all this stuff. Like, so it's it's very much something that, that it, it's not this weird cryptic thing that you don't know what's going on. For us, it's that. Because it's just, there's just a few verses where it's kind of uh, alluded to or mentioned. But there's this, broader context that when you start looking you notice there's all these little references Hmm. that don't take the time to explain it so obviously the audience original intended audience knew what was going on and then if you brought in outside of biblical canonical text you also got these other references so it's like there's this thing going on with nephilim giants rephaim whatever we want to say you know um that there's something going on and so we're not going to be able to answer that question or maybe we will but but like that sort of sets the stage. You can look up all the verses and, and, you know, like I said, look through your concordance or whatever. But um, for me, that's just what I love is like, there's, there's like, there's something there. You know, I feel like I just <laughs> want to get my hands on it. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. there's obviously something going on. Like it's not there for fun. Right. You know, like the, for, for that, for those sentences, you know, about Og or Genesis six or whoever else to make it through, what is it? Three thousand years of of history being passed down in in text and and preserved, and we get like it's there for a reason, right? right? Like, um, and and another thing is just I'll wrap up with this. Like one of those, you know, to to go back to like the the size thing. One of those references in in I think Second Samuel was the one, or maybe, or maybe it was in in First Samuel. But one of the references in um, the Old Testament talks about. This guy who like his his shield weighs like two hundred shekels and his armor weighs like three hundred shekels and it's like it's giving these measurements for how heavy he's got like this bronze or I think it's like bronze armor that's like super heavy right and it's like I don't know how much two hundred shekels is but it's a lot it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's more than I can carry that's for sure <laughs> it's yeah yeah so so there there is again this 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 literal like sort of physical characteristic of of size and strength that that you know you need a 13 foot bed you know like and all this kind of stuff but um but i don't know it's crazy yeah so so anyway i'm blabbing let's 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 get into some 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 possible like explanations for what's going on for sure yeah and one of the things i'll say at the outset i i i don't sometimes i don't like that we live in such a a uh, naturalistic, um, you know, rationalistic world these days. Like everything has to be explainable by science. If you can't explain it with science, if you can't explain it by, you know, this, that, or this other thing, then you know we we can't trust it, or it's too weird, or there must just be some explanation. We just haven't thought of it yet. Um, I, it, it, the world is far too wonderful for that. The universe is far too expansive, and I, I just, I don't know. So. Let's look at these interpretations uh, and just kind of see. And I, I actually really liked the Encyclopedia Britannica had a really great article on the Nephilim. So I'm actually just going to sort of read some of the quotes here. Um, 
But this is sort of one of the interpretations. It says, given the ambiguity of the Genesis passage, there are several interpretations about the relationship between the, quote, sons of God and the Nephilim. Some have understood the sons of God to be fallen angels, and the Nephilim are the offspring they produced with human women. This view was described in the first book of Enoch, a non-canonical Jewish text, and remains a popular explanation. The first book of Enoch also notes that the Nephilim were giants, which seems in accordance with the, you know, quote-unquote, people of great size described in the Numbers passage. The apparent uh, gigantism of the Nephilim is argued to stem from their supernatural origin, though some have countered that it is theological, theologically problematic to suggest that angels or demons as purely spiritual beings could physically reproduce with humans. Okay, that's fair. Um, so that's maybe what we're going to call the more supernatural because we're talking about, uh, spirits, you know, angels, demons type things, uh, cohabitating with, uh, uh, human women. Uh, uh, a less supernatural view holds that the Nephilim were simply men who fell away from righteousness. So specifically, some theologians have held that sons of God is a reference to the descendants of Seth, the righteous son of Adam and that the Nephilim were members of his bloodline who rejected God. This view, known as the Sethian view, was held by St. Augustine and other church fathers, as well as by many Jewish theologians. The Sethian view is sometimes elaborated with the assertion that the daughters of men were the ungodly women of the bloodline of Cain, Adam's murderous son. With the Nephilim as mere humans, their great size is variously taken literally or metaphorically, though they were undoubtedly considered great warriors. So previously, at a different point in my life, I would have held to that second, less supernatural view, right? I wanted to find a logical explanation. I wanted to understand how, um, you know, there's no way that angels could have had relations with women and produced offspring that were giants. So it must have been something else. And I found this view that these sons of God mentioned in Genesis are the line of Seth, daughters of men, you know, the line of uh, Cain. And so they cohabitated, made these people who maybe weren't actually gigantic, or maybe they were, uh, but, it, you know, they weren't actually any, like, giant that was supernatural in any sense. And maybe there's some other sort of, you know, blending of both, uh, where maybe there was some sort of angelic uh, and human in, in relations, but it produced just, you know, natural humans of great size, uh, who knows? Again, at this point in history, it's sort of too difficult to to pinpoint the exact answer. Uh, however, uh, I think there are some things that we can can deduce, some things that we can read. I mean, what what can we make of like later when uh, when when Lot and the angels are in um, Sodom and Gomorrah? Right. That's like. I think that's the correct passage, right? Where he's like, that he's uh, entertaining the angels and the people are at the door trying to break it down because they want to sleep with the angels. Like, you know, let, let's just assume that maybe the people didn't know that they were angels, so they didn't know that they couldn't have relations. Or maybe the people did know and wanted to possibly produce, you know, future Nephilim. I don't know. But it's another passage in scripture where at least the idea of supernatural and natural having relations is seemingly feasible, right? Um, so maybe it's not so out of the realm of possibility. I don't know. These days, though, 
especially with some of the things that you were saying about the um, Rephaim, I believe is what you said. I First of all, I didn't even, like, that didn't even cross my mind in preparing for this. So, like, I'm super glad you brought that up because that adds uh, another layer of just complexity but but interesting conversation. Um, however, these days, like I said, I, I'm more inclined to think that the Nephilim were not simply human offspring that were large in stature, right? Um, there, there seems to be too, too many recurrences of these giants, of these large people. You know, uh, David and Goliath, that whole story is a great example. Um, and I even... Uh, I don't know if it's going to come back to bite me to say this. And again, I'm a Baptist, so you all probably think I'm crazy. Maybe you're about to drown me in the river. But um, personally, I sometimes wonder if people that like have great size and stature the, these days, of if there's some sort of like still genetic link that has been passed down through the millennia i don't i don't i don't know how to explain that because i don't understand genetics i'm not like a genetic scientist or anything um but i have to imagine that if the nephilim were around before and after the flood so the flood didn't destroy them it's possible that if they continued to have relations with people that eventually the the traits like the dominant and um you know not dominant traits would eventually sort of like have an equilibrium where giants were not continually produced. Um, and so perhaps these days, you know, we have a, a more baseline, what, five foot seven, five foot eight for most humans. So when you get people that are pushing like seven and eight feet, like what's, what's the deal with that? Like, how does that happen? Is that still some sort of like remnant of an age long gone? I don't know. Maybe it's just something super weird. Also, if we're going to talk about, like, weird supernatural things, dude, like, I don't know if it's bugs or dust, but, like, as I'm looking at you, these little, like, floating specks keep flying across the screen, and all I'm thinking about is when I used to watch, like, Ghost Hunters with my parents, and they'd, like, you know, on the little screen see some, like, floating <laughs> speck and be like, oh, it was a ghost, bro! Like, it's a ghost! I, anyway, sorry. I just... have noticed uh, a moth or something oh, okay, flying okay. around. Okay, it's not uh, a ghost. But... It's a moth. I mean, maybe, I don't, I mean, I don't know, who, who knows? I don't know, but yeah, yeah I'm I curious mean, what your thoughts are there. Yeah, I, there's, so, you know, if we're going to take those, the two views that you summarized as sort of like the, there, of course, you could always find, you know, like, different versions and whatever, but if we take those as sort of the two basic sort of paths you can take, you know, some kind of more supernatural, so to speak, view based on the idea of sons of God being some kind of spiritual or angelic being, uh, or the, 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 the Sethite, Sethian, um, you know, sort of distinction between righteous and unrighteous humans. And that's what that's, you know, if those are the two kind of basic ones, like there's no reason to textually, exegetically to look at, you know, Genesis six and say, oh, the, the, the Sethian view doesn't work. Like, that's, you can't really say that. Like, there's no reason that, that it couldn't be that. I think it just, I don't think it, I think it leaves a lot of questions unanswered that at this point I feel like are probably at least better answered than taking the more sort of traditional, some kind of fallen angel type thing that's going on. Even though that raises a whole host of questions about, like, what does that mean? How does that work? Of course. But I think that for, like, kind of what you brought up, there's just this, this there's too much of this recurring encounter that 
God's people are have throughout the entire Old Testament with giants. Whatever whatever we determine that means, it's like I said, these statements about Og and the people David's fighting and Goliath, like they're there for a reason. There's this right. there's this this line that you can trace through the Old Testament of of Israel encountering and by God's power defeating these Nephilim. And there's there's a lot of stuff that like it's it's way too long, but I, I want to like make everybody I know listen to this Lord of Spirits <laughs> episode because it blew my mind when it was it was the first episode I'd ever listened to by them because I just thought the giants were super interesting and I was like, what the heck? It's crazy. You know, there's so much stuff that is like under the surface that you just wouldn't know because it's not it's not it's not there in the text. So, you know, it's like it, it's it's just so interesting. But another thing I wanna say <laughs> um, this is probably probably a future episode. Uh, could be a future episode. Could be you know get me canceled. Whatever. Whatever. Who cares? Um, is you know there, there's there's a lot of stuff about like fallen angels and Nephilim and all that kind of, in in First Enoch. Um, from what I've heard, I haven't actually read First Enoch, but um, oh, but that's not in the Bible. True, but. Jude quotes First Enoch. Boom. As in in a seemingly authoritative manner, which oh is really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, okay. And First Enoch is in the Ethiopian Bible. So, so let's read First Enoch together and have an episode where we discuss. That's we've decided. Deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think that there's. There's a lot of things that I just don't know. I, I, I've also heard, uh, I was talking with a buddy just the other day like um, about it because he, he, he said he had written the paper about the Raphaim in undergrad. And, and, and there's, from what I understand, there, there's this whole tradition within, within Judaism. I don't know if that's something that has carried on or if it's, if it's like a Second Temple Judaism um, kind of tradition. But there's this whole... And this feeds into like what's going on in the New Testament when Jesus in the Gospels is encountering these demonic powers, these right. demonic beings. Um, there's this whole tradition of that that demons, what we today call demons, you know, we see plenty of examples in in the Gospels, you know, they, they possess people and they they cause people, they make people sick and they cause all kind of torments and, and Jesus is casting them out and, and you know. Um, those are the Rephaim, which are the disembodied spirits of dead Nephilim. Oh, interesting. So, you know, let that sink in. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. And I have no, I have no, like, hold on. You're saying that the Rephaim are, so when they're mentioned in scripture, the Rephaim are the disembodied spirits of what used to be the Nephilim when the Nephilim were alive. I think so, or, but I don't know how that works with like, oh, you know, Og, you know, and they killed Og, king of Bashan. He was the last Rephaim, you know. Like I, I don't know if if maybe that's he like was a usage. I don't know. Maybe yeah, maybe maybe he maybe Og was a guy who was possessed by a you know. I don't know how how it works. Like if if that usage of the word developed later to be more specific to a dis you know a a, a lost spirit or something or. or or maybe I'm misquoting this and to begin with, and, and I don't have any like notes on it or, or sources to, to kind of evaluate it. But um, 
but there's just a lot of uh, there's a lot of these little threads that I just have no sort of context for in my you know the uh, this is one of those little like when you start when you start really digging into it and like you you lift up a rock and you just find all these things that you didn't know were there um when you start really taking scripture you know as a whole you find these things that it's impossible for one person to keep everything in their head, you know, right. let alone the things that are maybe a little more confusing or maybe a little less relevant in our, in our specific sort of church tradition, you know, different things have been emphasized and different things have been emphasized less. So then we get, you know, like it's, it's just, you don't necessarily hear about the Nephilim all that much. You yeah. know, <laughs> like, I mean, um, all I'm yeah. saying, all I'm saying is we believe in a virgin birth uh, a a God becoming a a man, uh, living on this earth perfectly, sinlessly, dying, uh, going to Sheol, resurrecting and ascending to heaven. All of that seems pretty fantastic too. But it happened, and we we worship that risen Savior, right? So, like, I don't know. As much as you might want to say that there are more natural explanations. I'm more inclined to these days to side on the supernatural. I mean, there are some weird things that we just really don't understand. Um, when I think even about some of the Old Testament gods, like, I, I don't always think that those people were just, like, bowing down to some, like, ornate statue necessarily. I do think that there were demonic uh, beings who were worshipped and, and idolized and who uh, were, in a oh, yeah, sense, definitely. lowercase gods... Uh, but th- who, there was only one. I mean, the Bible. God. The Bible. You know, this is obviously. I'm saying this as if it's a fact, but it's. But like, I mean, the Bible calls them gods, right? Like, you know, like it's. That's it's, what I'm saying. It's, yeah, we have such a exactly. shallow theological, just mind. It seems like when I when you really start, like I, I don't. Okay, I've tried like 17. Point three billion times to do a Bible in a year reading plan, and I just like can't do it. I always like crap out yeah. at some point, right? But like for those of you, the the three of you in in existence who have done it, you have read all of the strange things that are contained within Scripture, like Moses striking a rock and water coming out of it, or uh, manna in the wilderness, or uh, the Red Sea parting and becoming like dry land. I mean, you guys, like, you've become so comfortable with some of these things that are just otherworldly. And then when, when we hear stuff like this, we start to get uncomfortable. Like, that's, for me, like, the more that I have read some of these Old Testament passages and, and tried to understand them, the more that I'm like, yeah, okay, there's a lot more supernatural stuff going on that I understand. And there's a lot of stuff that has, at least in my experience, has just sort of been lost to history. We've lost the mm-hmm. context. Like you said... Genesis 6, he's talking about the Nephilim without any explanation, as though his audience knows exactly who the Nephilim are. He doesn't right. say the Nephilim, you know, those like giant supernatural beings who like are the offspring of angels and women. Like he didn't have to explain it because to say the Nephilim, he knew ex- that people would have knew people would have known exactly what he meant. Just like today, if I say the Minnesota Vikings. I don't have to explain to you that they are the worst football team in existence, right? You know that the Vikings are terrible. And I say that as a Vikings fan. But you know what I mean? Like, we, we have imagine, words that, like, we, we say something and we don't explain it because we understand the other person has the context to understand. But today, we don't have that same context that the audience had. Yeah. 
and and this is a whole different can of worms that that is way much a rabbit trail but like like i i know i've seen like little like made up stories that give good examples of this but like i imagine you sent me a text about you know man have you seen the minnesota vikings this year that's the text and in a thousand years or you know let's go back to genesis you know like in three thousand years someone who is an expert in you know ancient english literature finds this inscription you know digital inscription uh and translates it how are they going to figure out what you're talking even if they know what the words you said right they can translate it they can look at all the secondary literature that talks about you know uh you know sports and entertainment in early 21st century english uh literature or what you you know like like this is this is what it's like when you're studying something ancient and Mm. It's a really, it's a really interesting and daunting and humbling kind of thing to remember, because when you're studying it, like you get to know it really well, but then you kind of take a step back and you realize, oh, well, there's all this other stuff that it's impossible for me to know really well, even if I can read the language and I can translate and I can, you know, I know the history. Like there's, there's all these things that are that are so much harder to piece together when you're not from that place, that time, that culture, whatever. Um, and it's an interesting element of like, they didn't feel the need to give us a treatise on what giants are. So we kind of got to do some some detective work. We have to do the heavy lifting as though we were the giants. What's going on? Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to add. I nah, don't know. It, like, this is one of those just kind of like, here's a bunch of interesting things and some questions enjoy but yeah. like that feels fitting for a topic like this so for sure i mean um, I, I just want to like say at the outset wrap up right i agreed we're, we're not experts on any of this right and that's i think the thing about our podcast that we say all the time is that we're not we're two guys who love theology who love the lord who want to know and love him more um and so as we do that when we encounter these strange things uh when we encounter some of the other you know we've talked about um i'm trying to remember some of the other weird texts that we've covered um, I don't know why I'm like just completely blanking. That's how cr- crazy my mind is right now. But we've covered some weird texts, right? And we, we try to make sense of them because they don't fit our standard, normal, everyday language or experience maybe, right? Um, so yeah, I, I mean, we hope, I, at least I personally hope this wasn't like too kooky for anybody or if it was, you know, maybe get a little bit kookier and join the kooky train. That's, uh, you know, it's a good time. But I don't know. Yeah. Anything else you want to yeah. say to wrap up, or should we uh, go to the Valley of Vision? Let's let's take a stroll through the valley. All right, we're going in. You ready? You got your you got your blindfold and your um, flashlight. Let's see. Man's great end. Lord of all being, there is one thing that deserves my greatest care, that calls forth my ardent desires. That is, that I may answer the great end for which I am made. To glorify thee who hast given me being, and to do all the good I can for my fellow men. Verily, life is not worth having if it not be improved for this noble purpose. Yet, Lord, how little is this thought in the man uh, in the mind of mankind. Most men seem to live for themselves, without much or any regard for thy glory or the good of others. 
They earnestly desire and eagerly pursue the riches, honors, pleasures, uh, and pleasures of this life as if they supposed that wealth, greatness, merriment could make their immortal souls happy. But alas, what false delusive dreams are those, and how miserable error long will those that sleep in them, for all our happiness consists in loving thee and being holy as thou art holy. O may I never fall into the tempers and vanities, the sensuality and folly of the present world. It is a place of inexpressible sorrow, a vast empty nothingness. Time is a moment, a vapor, and all its enjoyments are empty bubbles. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Sorry, that that got me. Time is a moment, a vapor, and all its enjoyments are empty bubbles, floating blasts of wind from which nothing satisfactory can be derived. Give me grace always to keep in covenant with thee and to reject as delusion a great name here or hereafter, together with all sinful pleasures or profits. Help me to know continually that there can be no true happiness, no fulfilling of thy purpose for me apart from a life lived in and for the son of thy love. Amen. Mm. The valley. Amen. The valley. Always good. Well, thanks for a fun one. And thank you for listening to it, tuning in to this and all episodes, if you've ever tuned in, to the Doxology Podcast. We uh, really appreciate it. Really appreciate the support and the listen and... um, any, any, you know, as we say all the time, feedback and questions and suggestions. We got a really great exchange from a listener this past week that yeah. was exactly that, and and we're planning planning to, to to talk about what he wanted to to hear. So, you know, it's great. If you'd like to connect with us for that or any other reason, please do on Twitter at Doxology Podcast or by email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to find um, really out if that tomb it. is real or not. If yes. we've found that tomb, let us know. Yep, the, the 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 bed of Og, Og <laughs> of Bashan. Cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so definitely definitely do reach out. And until next time, we'll see. You. Peace. Mm, I love those giants.